Welcome to the Amazon Legends podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My guest today has been an Amazon seller for almost a decade, uh, actually over a decade. And uh, she's the founder and CEO at uh, Shikastic and also a proud mother of a five-year-old boy. So everybody meet my guest, uh, Ayanija Gupta. Welcome to the show, Ayanija. Nice to meet you, Nick. Thank you for having me here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. You know, I love it when real sharp business women, also mothers, are running these successful Amazon businesses. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's more pleasure for me because you can show the whole world. Look, you know, you can do so, so many things at the same time. It's no big deal, right? Exactly, and it's exciting to be recognized on a platform like this. You know, when people give you the credit that you deserve. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, in my opinion, women don't get enough credit because everything that's done, it's like the, the intelligence. You know, when you go to war, you know, the soldiers fight the fight in the front lines, but the intelligence is so key. And those intelligence people are always behind the scenes. Yeah. Nobody hears from them. I think that's how women are. Women are always making sure that everything is provided for and, so, um, so I, I always appreciate it. So you. Uh, when you and I talked about your Amazon business and you mentioned something that you implemented, that's a new feature on Amazon. Uh, so uh, tell us what that is. Sure. So um, a lot of people don't actually know that one of the biggest advantages of getting your brand registered on Amazon is getting the small business badge if you're a small business owner, because Amazon is always promoting small businesses, you know, helping the community, getting people, getting customers to learn about them. And I implemented this recently and I realized until then I hadn't realized how much customers are, you know, love the idea of buying from a small business. So it gave a big boost to sales. And at the same time, loving that recognition, you know, that people are liking being uh, able to shop from a small business. So, okay. So there's a few things you said that I'd like to uh, dissect a little bit. So Mm -hmm. first of all, what you're talking about is when you go to a listing, uh, right underneath, it says small business. Small right? business. It, this, this product is being sold by a small business. And there's a little small business badge on there. And the nice thing about it is that you're buying from a small business, but you're still in the secure, convenient environment of Amazon. So you're not you know, having to buy on another website or anything. You can still shop from small businesses. And it's nice for people to know this, that they yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, generally uh, in America, people like to support small businesses because that's the the key to the success of uh, the economy in general. So uh, it it also looks like the Amazon Choice badge, right? It's it's similar to that. It's right underneath that says small business. So tell us, how do you get that? 
So once you're, you know, brand registered with Amazon, you know, you have your U.S. registered trademark, then you apply for Amazon's brand registry. There's a lot of features that you can actually use after your brand registered with Amazon that help boost your sales, that help um, help you in getting your business more recognition. So this is one of the things besides A plus content and all of the other things. So small business badge is something you just, so all I had to do was get into my brand registry login of my seller central and contact the team and say, hey, I am a business, I'm a business owner and I have brand registry with Amazon. Would you help me get my badge? And they just do their checks. You know, they take a couple of days. And I think it took about five days for me to get that badge implemented on my listing. So this is not something that you can go check off. You have to send yes. an email to sales support yes. and ask yes. for your brand. Your Absolutely. Absolutely. And it will only work on the brands uh, that you are registered for on Amazon. So if you sell, say, multiple brands, it will not work on everything just because you're a small business owner. Only the brands that you're registered for with Amazon. So uh, what qualifies you as a small business? Did they ever ask you that or they decide? No, they did not really ask. I mean, they did their own check. So maybe it's based on, you know, your volumes. Maybe it's based on, you know, obviously the size of your business, the company, how many employees and all of that. So all that qualifies you, I believe, to... So as far as you are concerned, as a seller, you just send an email and say... Mm -hmm. I like the small business badge. They go to work and they go to work, quickly, yes. And then you said it takes yes. about five days. It took about, about five, five days. days. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Five days if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and so this badge appears uh, on the listings of every brand that you registered. Yes. On brand registry. Yes. And uh, do you have one brand registered? Or yes, you have, okay. I have I have one brand registered. One brand. Okay, and it appears on every listing for that. On every every product, yes. Okay, great. So so that's the logistics of getting it. So now you said that it gave you a boost in sales. Absolutely. So uh, tell us what that means. Gave you a boost? Is it because so in my book there are two ways to increase sales. It's, you know, of course, there are many reasons, your reviews and your ratings and everything. But at the end of the day, you appear in the search results and then people click on it. So if you increase your click-through rate, then you're going to get more people on your product page. And then the second thing that, that you need is on your product page, if you increase your conversion rate, mm-hmm. or they call it un- unit session percentage, right. USP, some people, um, you increase that, then you end up with more sales. So which one did this do? Did it increase the click-through rate or did it increase the conversion rate? It increased a little bit of both. And I don't think a lot of people know, but when you're shopping on Amazon or on the left-hand panel, you can actually select to only filter for small businesses that you only want to buy from a small business. You can select that. And a lot of people, like you said, in in the U.S., people, you know, that's how the economy runs. They want to encourage shopping from small businesses. They want to give them more business than the larger 
business houses. So you can actually select and filter down to that. So it helped with the click-through rate, maybe because of that. And then it helped with the conversion because once you go on the product page, it's a bigger badge and you know the whole set statement about the small business and then Amazon's little blurb about it. And then it says, learn more. And you can actually go and learn how Amazon supports small businesses in so many different ways. I see. So... So it increased your click-through rate for two reasons. One is, obviously, um, you have that filtering on the mm -hmm. left-hand side if right. they are selecting small business. And, and I usually select Prime without mm -hmm. exactly. thinking. Yeah. And now this is another one. So obviously, it's everybody else is being eliminated. So yeah. you get even higher. Do you know if it gave you a higher rank in the search results being a it did. It did. I mean, it's also based on the kind of competition that you are selling against. So, I mean, there's a lot of listings which Amazon is, you know, has created its own brands recent in the recent years. So, you know, that obviously doesn't qualify for a small business. So that gets filtered out. Then there's a lot of overseas brands that are selling on Amazon with, you know, you know, Prime and all that those get filtered out so it, it it really you know pushed my listings up on the search oh, so you are uh, you just said something that that i like very much i didn't think about it like that it filters out amazon's own yeah. listings uh, i'm keeping that filter on from now on no matter <laughs> what <laughs> yeah i mean i'm very i'm very bitter about the whole idea of amazon selling you know uh, copying the the top selling products of its sellers and then trying to sell those so i i had to bring that up <laughs> yeah 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 so i mean i can see the benefit okay so and also what i would be curious to know i mean i'm gonna guess but uh, Let's say that you have a listing that is uh, the same rank as yours, mm -hmm. same category, same, all things being equal. You have two listings and people haven't filtered the small businesses only. So they're looking at everything, including Amazon. Mm -hmm. But those two listings that are not Amazon listings, one has small business badge, the other one doesn't. Um, I'm going to guess small business one is going to have a higher ranking, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, it would be uh, interesting. It's, I mean, it's very hard to create this, but uh, it would be... So the place to track this, actually, is, the, is in the, for brand-registered companies, there is a report. This is a fairly new report. And as we record this episode, it's been around maybe six months, uh, mm -hmm. maybe even less. It's called Search Query Performance Report. Right. So that Search Query Performance Report basically shows you your click-through rate for the keywords that people use when your product comes up. So uh, it would be interesting to compare before you had this small business badge, what that report showed for those keywords, and then compare it to now. Absolutely. And between the two, you'll be able to tell and quantify. Um, so let's talk about the conversion rate. So now people clicked on, they found you, they filtered, and then they clicked on it, and they're on the product page. Can you share with us some conversion rates before and after? So absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, the conversion rate is pretty high because 
in general for my products because they're they're the kind of products that people are buying consciously. It's not something that they just came across and that's why they bought it. So uh, I said, tell us by the way what kind of products Chicastic sure. sells. So I the sells corsets, um, you know, bustiers and evening purses for women. Uh, we used to sell shoes, but we have paused it for a little while because of the supply chain issues. So these are things, and, they, and um, you know, because they are occasional products, people are buying them specifically for a particular occasion. They don't just buy the way come and, you know, purchase it or, you know, buy them on an impulse. They actually plan for it, which is why the conversion rate is pretty high. And uh, I mean, obviously, the our reviews are high. You know, we have excellent ratings on most of our products. So all that obviously helps with, you know, getting better conversions. So that was already there. But uh, from research, was ever since, uh, since before I got the small business badge and after, you know, giving it about, say, a month, uh, you know, a time to analyze the data, I saw that there was a, a you know, bigger jump in conversion okay. because of the bad. And when you say high, what do you consider high in conversion rates? I mean, 50%. Okay. So, uh, so conversion, the reason I'm asking is because conversion rate happens to be my main focus area. Because right. if you have your conversion increased or high enough, everything works out. Your advertising, your, your take-offs, ACOS, all those things improve. So, and there are different ideas about what is a good conversion rate. Mm -hmm. So there is no one simple number. It's different for every category. So what I have found, you know, as I was doing my research, a number to benchmark against, that's as an industry standard, I found 12%. Mm -hmm. This is regardless of category. Right. So I find 12% low, frankly. I'm talking about private sellers, of course. Right. So what I usually, when I work with my clients, my uh, I color code, you know, certain metrics. And, uh, you know, it's red, yellow, green. And anything below... 35% is yellow. Mm -hmm. So I shoot for greater than 35% because my thinking is you are the only seller. Mm -hmm. You have a good product. You have good ratings and good pricing. But most important, very good pictures and videos and good bullets that will make an emotional connection people will buy because your page is doing the selling. So what people look at usually is the uh, pictures first. Bullets are not so much, uh, but pictures are the most important. So if you do all these things right, and my clients generally go over 35%. I, I have clients achieving 50, 60, even 65%. Um, so 35 to uh, 25, I'm sorry, 35 to 15, mm -hmm. that is uh, yellow, and then below 15, it, it shows up red. Um, those are the conversion rates. So in your case, um, you have actually, a, I'd say, a pretty good conversion rate, mainly because 
people do a lot of search to find mm -hmm. your product, right? So right. they get right. so many things. They're, they're coming with an informed decision, you know, that this is something I need, this is something I'm going to buy, and that's why they're looking for it, you know, on Amazon. And it's the nature of the product. It'll obviously vary with, you know, the kind of product that, you know, you're selling, um, and that will impact your conversion rate accordingly. Yeah. So um, the other question I have is, how do you track your conversion rate? Because there isn't one place that you can go and, and look. Right. So just, just Amazon's reports is... So you, you, yeah. da you download it? Do, do you download the report to, in order to study it? Yes, I do download Amazon. So there are so many different kinds of reports that Amazon provides and going through them, analyzing them. There's a, uh, sometimes you lump them together to understand what's working, what's not working. And in order to do that, uh, Amazon's reports actually provide very in-depth information in a lot of ways. Yeah. So one of the things, well, well there's a few things that, you know, like I said, conversion rate is, is my favorite subject because it's the, it's the magic a pill, so to speak, for all uh, right. problems. So what I always uh, say is you've got to stay on top of your conversion rate. Absolutely. So how we do that usually is, first of all, you're looking at your conversion rate today for a time frame is not enough because mm -hmm. what you need is you need historical data. So you need to be tracking your trend, so to speak. So what was it uh, last month? What was right. it last year this month? And things like that. So you need to be collecting the data and then looking at it in perspective. The second thing is you need to make sure, you know, what are the events associated with the changes Absolutely. in that conversion rate. So what this means is, you really need to build a system of your own. People use Google Sheets, Excel. Right. It's 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 a it's a very laborious thing. And and when I when I was doing this, uh, it was always like I built great reports, Excel based, and data needed to be fed into each one of them. And by right. the time I would download and update all the data, I would mm -hmm. be exhausted to look at the information. So, Absolutely. So conversion rate happens to be one of those. Is that your experience also? Yes, it is. So um, who does the job? Do you do the job or you have somebody doing it? No, I do the job because I like to analyze, um, you know, what strategies are working and what's not working. I have, you know, people helping me on other aspects of the business, but this is something that I like to do myself just so that I can make more informed decisions about what's going on. And like you said, different events affect conversion rate. Like COVID brought conversion rates absolutely down for a business like mine because it wasn't a necessary business. And then it took a while for it to start, you know, going back up. Last year saw a great improvement and I'm hoping this year should be even better. Okay, great. So um, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is, is, is key in terms of keeping track of what you are doing and then checking against the numbers. Absolutely. So that way, that context gives you a much, much more insight mm -hmm. to you know, what decision to make next. Or in fact, 
you know, you can see the result of what you've done and then reverse it maybe if it's not giving you the, the good results. So, but at the end of the day, you've got to stay on top of the numbers. Exactly, exactly. So this is great. So let's talk about uh, a little bit on the big picture. Uh, as far as your business model on Amazon, so you are obviously building your own brand and what model do you use? Do you do your own fulfillment or do you use FBA? I use FBA. And, and why, why did you pick FBA? Um, just because there's already so many aspects of the business that need to be taken care of. I didn't want to, you know, worry about fulfillment as such. Also, the biggest reason being the so on the ship by Amazon badge that goes on your listing, the Prime badge, it just makes a world of a difference. I did try when, I mean, now they've paused the program, but when they had Seller Fulfilled Prime, I tried that uh, for a couple months, but it was a huge failure. I'm, I'm so glad they paused the program. It was a huge failure because, um, I mean, Amazon penalizes sellers for everything anyways, but that was the hardest thing because any mistake the logistics company is making for any reason, the, you know, uh, the package is getting lost, customers complaining they've never got there, it would always come back to the seller. So I realized instead of saving money, I'm ending up losing more money in trying to do this myself. I had a whole spreadsheet laid out. I compared costs, FBA, seller fulfilled, you know, what's going to work out cheaper. And uh, seller fulfilled was obviously a huge saving. But when it came to all those lost packages and all the returns and all of that hassle, it did not make sense. So I went back to doing Prime. I mean, I was still doing FBA. I, I thought I'll try SFB on certain products, but it was it was not a great idea. Yeah, you see, the unfortunately, people don't realize this. And, you know, there, there is a saying, you know, uh, a penny wise and pound full <laughs> so you can save a few pennies here and there but when you look at the big picture fba model you cannot beat it really you cannot beat that you cannot beat the prime badge on your listing you know you can find cheaper options to get your products fulfilled it's not difficult these days at all there's so many 3 you know fulfillment companies out there but at the end of the day, what Amazon, you cannot beat Amazon's speed, first of all. Your customers are spoiled by that. Like they're so used to getting their products now within a couple hours, not just a couple days, but within a couple hours. I think of something this morning, I want this and it's at my door this evening. So customers are spoiled. They don't want to wait anymore. So if you are taking 10 days to fulfill something, they don't want you. Yeah. Well, you know, th th there is something else. Uh, we're recording this in in August, beginning of August 2022. So this morning, I read something new came out. Amazon is now doing same-day delivery for some retail brands directly from the store. So if these retail stores are selling on Amazon and somebody buys it, the merchandise will come directly same day from the store, your from local store. store. Absolutely. Yeah. So what this is now building up that 
delivery process to a standard even harder to beat. But you know, at the end of the day, if you think about it, if there's so many prime members, millions of them, and what are they expecting? They are expecting free shipping and they are expecting two-day shipping, right? <laughs> well, Amazon does not has not been doing two-day shipping, guaranteed. It's been because of COVID, it got delayed. So now they even have the audacity on the checkout page to show, would you like a later date <laughs> so that your packages can be bundled into one delivery? Right. So you're, paying, you're paying for two-day shipping. And and then you're selecting a later date. Or digital credit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the point is, they built this perception that, oh, you know, the only thing that they hold true to their promise is free shipping. So you don't ever pay shipping, pay but shipping. that, that two-day business. So when you try to do your own fulfillment, it really is a, is a losing game. It's not going to go anywhere. And, and it... it, it hugely affects the conversion rate, right? I mean, if you're not doing Prime, then your conversion rate suffers big time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I wouldn't even even dream about about it without Prime because yeah. it, there's, no, there's no point. Well, I mean, there is another fact here. If you are doing your own fulfillment, so let's say that you have your own warehouse, you're using different carriers depending on where the package is going. You, you're paying different rates depending on where the package is going or, and where the item is going, regardless of who the carrier is. They're going to charge you different based on destination. Right. With FBA, you know what your shipping cost is, right? It's fixed. If it, whether it's going to New York or California or, you know, uh, Seattle or, you know, Miami, it doesn't matter where it's shipping from. When you set up your pricing structure, you know what your shipping cost is going to be. So you can work towards making the wholesale profitable. Absolutely. With FBM, that's not the case. So that's a no-brain. So obviously, you made the, the right decision there. So um, talk, talk to us about some of the – how you handle some of the peak periods, like prime day, uh, shopping season, and then uh, since COVID – what are some things that have changed for you? Right. So one thing that has tremendously changed is planning even better because, you know, because of the supply chain issues, you need to put so much more planning into being able to get your inventory on time. My busiest season starts around this time of the year, mid to late August, and goes on until October to November because Corsets are huge for Halloween and people start planning their costumes months before and they start ordering. My planning has to begin even months before. So I start planning for my peak season in April so that I can, you know, always have everything overstocked so that, and I'm not saying I don't end up making mistakes. There have every single year, it's so hard to predict sure. what color will sell the most. You know, one year people loved the color green. Who knew that? And we had a lot, but we still sold out. And then it's so expensive to, you know, even if my supplier, my factory has stock for me ready, it's so expensive to bring it in last minute. 
Also, that's around September to October is when the holiday inventory starts shipping in from overseas. So logistics become even slower, you know, despite the whole supply chain, it becomes even slower. So you have to really plan for, for these big events in, you know, months in advance. So as far as uh, stocking and also it ties back to your FBA model. So in the old days, old days being fairly old days, like a few years you could have your factory ship maybe a, even an entire container to Amazon warehouse. You can't do that anymore, mm -hmm. right? So because they put inventory limits. So do you, uh, in your model, do you do you have a warehouse of your own to bring in the merchandise and yes. that you send, or do you use a three PL? So I do. I do both. Um, some of my inventory can come directly from China to an Amazon warehouse or from you know other factories directly to the Amazon warehouse. Um, I have learned around with my you know logistics company overseas to be able to do that. But so that you know during peak times we are able to full, you know send shipments to Amazon uh, in a speedier way. I keep extra inventory on hand at my own warehouse. And so that, I mean, the good thing is where I'm based, Amazon makes me send most of my inventory to a local warehouse. So usually it takes maybe one or two days in transit, but, uh, you know, a lot of days for them to start accepting goods and adding them to your inventory. But it still saves a lot of transit time. And which is why storing inventory locally really helps. You just said something that's extremely lucky because usually when you send inventory to Amazon, it's going to a week, lot of least, random places. Yeah, at least a week, 10 days, or sometimes even two weeks. Yeah. So how is it that you set up that arrangement where you're sending it to local warehouse? I... I don't know, maybe because this is a bigger warehouse that's, um, you know, close to um, where we are. And because of that reason, uh, and I'm not saying it happens all the time. Most of the inventory goes locally, but there, and then there are times, and I think it also varies based on the type of product. So when it's clothing product, it goes mostly locally. If it's handbag related products, it can go to Texas. It can go to, you know, other places. Sometimes Amazon splits up shipments in the craziest sort of way to, you know, send to different warehouses. So, I mean, one time they made me split up my shipment in a way that one single unit was supposed to go to a different warehouse. It wasn't even worth my, you know, time or worth the cost of the product. One piece, one single piece, <laughs> and 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 I have to bring this up. So because it didn't make financial sense to do that to ship one single product to an Amazon warehouse using their shipping label and all of that, I didn't end up sending that one particular shipment but send the rest and they penalized me for it and they they suspended my fba shipping uh, i mean um, suspended my shipping ability to their warehouse for about two weeks until i gave them a written plan of action that this is not going to happen in the future unbelievable so it's you know i had uh, for the listeners uh benefit so when you are creating an fba shipment right at the point of creating the shipping plan 
you put in how many pieces you want to ship for the mm -hmm. skew. And as soon as you do that and you hit uh, continue, uh -huh. we'll immediately split the shipment up into right. multiple pieces. So right. if you decided to ship a thousand pieces, it may say 223 pieces to this location. Right. 181, 81 pieces to this location. So you and never, the one piece too. Yeah. And, and in your case, I've never heard, but you know what I've seen happen? I have clients. They actually put bets. They, they turn it into like a game. So they all get together. And then when, before they hit continue, people put money, you know, betting. Okay, how many are we going to get? Four. You say five, <laughs> three, and then they bet. And then whoever wins takes, <laughs> takes it. So it, it's, uh, it's like roulette, you know, playing roulette. Right. Yeah, but I never heard one piece. That's ridiculous. Right. When I'm shipping from overseas, I, I don't go the split method way. I, I mean, I don't do the distributed inventory just because it's more expensive to do that when you're shipping from overseas. Sure. When you're doing it from the local warehouse, if it makes sense, if it's viable, if I'm shipping like 2,500 pieces, it's so hard to go by, especially with clothing. Because they're multiple colors, multiple sizes. Our corsets sell in eight different sizes, 16 different colors each. So it's it's a lot to do. And Amazon's not very forgiving when it comes to sellers making mistakes on their shipment. So which is why so, um, you know, when it comes to products like these, I prefer to you know uh, do a, a combined shipment and send them to one location instead of splitting it up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, so let's now talk about one of my favorite questions is, tell us about your team. What does it take to be successful on Amazon? What are the roles and responsibilities that you recognize? And then you say, okay, so-and-so is going to do this and so-and-so is going to do that. Now, I also know that you consult with some large brands. So, uh Give us your formula for your operation and then also give us some best practices since you consult with companies. How do you advise them to structure their teams? Absolutely. I, I mean, Amazon business has so many different aspects to it or, you know, any, like any other business, you, can, you have to have a team. You cannot expect yourself to be able to manage everything on your own. So I manage the finance part, the planning part on my own, but then I have a lot of work, you know, uh, spread across different people, suppose photography. So I like to do in-house photography of, of my products when something new is being launched or, you know, we change uh, images seasonally just so that, you know, there's a new look to the same stuff. Um, things like that. So there's a photographer involved. There's a Photoshop editor involved. Um, we get a lot of removal inventory from Amazon. I have somebody coming into my warehouse taking care of that, you know, sorting out of those. It's a lot of inventory, a lot of returns, especially after Halloween. There's a lot of returns. Half of them have not even been opened, you know, so somebody sorting those out, taking care of those things. So, and then social media. You know, you need somebody to manage social media for you. I cannot possibly do all of those things on my own. So I always say, you know, find people who are good at doing all of these things because these are the most vital 
uh, you know, jobs in running a successful Amazon business. And this is the same thing I advise my clients to do when uh, they are, you know, uh, trying to build a team or trying to assign uh, tasks to their people. You have to make them sometimes understand that this one person is not able to also manage your advertising and also do your social media. There are two separate specializations two different you know people that with that kind of experience that will have to manage these things okay so i heard um, so under the umbrella of content content management content mm -hmm. creation and management so you have photo shoot mm -hmm. in house mm -hmm. But somebody who does the photo shoot does not necessarily do the Adobe work, right? Yes, no. people. So that's two resources. And then uh, how about video? Do you do video or? Yes. Yes. So the videos are shot by the same person, who, the photographer, but I get editing done uh, by somebody else. It also helps keeps costs in control. So... Uh, Video production, how do you treat the video production? Is it because these days it's easy to create videos, right? So mm -hmm. you can easily uh, create a video with your phone and then and then just touch up and then you have your video. Is that the way you go about it or do you have a different approach? Uh, I mean, for uh, videos that, you know, product videos that go in, that are going on Amazon and, you know, other marketplaces, they're more professionally done with a you know professional camera, proper editing, everything. But the videos that we post on social media are done you know with with a phone, more casual and more relatable for customers. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this uh, difference because you know I'm gonna give you credit for recognizing this because this is a big deal. So the way I say. I approach this for all my clients is I say, guys, how would you feel watching a commercial on TV for a product that you can tell the person shot himself or herself and just yeah. put it together? You wouldn't yeah. take it seriously, right? I mean, it's becoming popular these days. A lot of sellers on Amazon are creating, you know, posting videos on the product, you know, where the product images are of an influencer who you know, promoted their product. I like the concept of them doing that, but that video, according to me, should go somewhere else on the listing and right. there should be a more formal, you know, more appealing video over there, more professionally done. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, at the end of the day, there are two types of videos. One is promotional and the other is information. Absolutely. So informational you want to make it as authentic as possible. So you can shoot all day long, mm -hmm. as many videos as you can. Take your phone and just shoot it, record it yourself, and, and then post it. No problem, because that's what people like. But when it comes to conversion, right, you want to convert. In order to buy something, first we need to trust the product. We okay. need to trust the brand. And when you look at the product picture, I mean, the product page, you've got the pictures, you just flick through the pictures, and then you see the video, you click on the video, and suddenly this video comes up, you know, uh, it's a DIY job, right? <laughs> Somebody put it together, 
your trust is going to be impacted. It so, speaks a lot about quality when you when you look at that because if it if a video or images are are shabbily done, it speaks volumes about yeah. You know, so, yeah. So for uh, and but for social media promotion, do it yourself all day long. That that works. So there's a distinction. So uh, this actually came up with a client of mine recently. And they were almost like they had their video. It took about a couple of weeks for them to f finish it. And finally, when they showed it to me, I said, uh, what is this video for? And, and, uh, and they were saying, oh, this is the video that I said, this right. is an instructional video. Right. And it's not a promotional video. And I said, even as an instructional video, it's obvious that you just did this in-house yourself. Right. So, um, we need to, I said, it's good as a prototype. You kind of created the script for it mm -hmm. uh, and you have the raw uh, footage, but you need to have somebody put this together professionally. Absolutely. So, okay. Absolutely. So we've got the content covered. Now, of course, then you're writing the copy, the bullets and the research, the keywords. Is it there? Who does that part? So I have somebody who does that and then I review them because I want to make sure I do a lot of research for, you know, for, for keywords and what's selling, similar products, things like that. I like to do a lot of research, not just for my own business, but also for other brands that I work with so you know so I want to make sure that all this content that has been written is keyword rich it has all the information about my product for a lot of products it doesn't matter the bullet points don't matter they're just one place to you know make your product more organically searchable so you want to put as many keywords as you can but for certain products the bullet points well, matter a lot, you know, dimensions, suppose you're buying a desk. So dimension is very important. You want to, you know, then people will read the bullet points or when it comes to clothing, especially corsets, sizing makes a huge difference. So we encourage people to read the bullet points, you know, read through them. I have it written in several places on my listings actually to, you know, make sure you read the size chart carefully just so that you're making a better choice. So things like that. So that's why I always like to, you know, make sure the content is written very well. So, um, okay. So we've got photographer slash video, um, and then you got Adobe guy and the video production and content. So those are four just on the content side. And then you have somebody for social media. Social like, media. There's social media, logistics, and then yeah. inventory management, of course. Okay. So uh, when you say inventory management, are you referring to planning, projecting, or are you physically handling the inventory? So physically handling. I like to do the planning, projecting myself, but I have somebody to do the, you know, inventory management, you know, when we're sending goods out from the warehouse to, you know, domestically, or we are trying to manage returns, removals, yeah. things like okay. that. For, for a while, I stopped doing removals because it was too much but then we started seeing a lot of other sellers trying to sell our brand and this is a u.s registered trademark brand they they cannot be selling that and that was coming from all the returns or removals that amazon was disposing or auctioning and this which is why i stopped doing that oh i see so you just bring up another very interesting point so uh, 
So one of the metrics that we keep track of is buy box retention. So only yesterday I was speaking to a seller and I said, do you keep an eye on your buy box retention? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, that's a percentage and you need to know. You need and to know. The biggest, biggest aspect of selling on Amazon. Yeah, you, you need to be in the buy box 100% of the time. Yeah. And he says, well, of course, I'm a private label seller. Nobody else is selling my product. So why should I be watching it? I said, you know, do you know for, for a fact that you are there 100% of the time? He says, no. I said, well, let me give you the scenarios. Number one, people buy your product mm -hmm. and you are FBA and they'll return it. And Amazon will sometimes put it back to stock. And sometimes they will say, you know, this is this looks damaged, mm -hmm. but it's our fault. So they pay you and then they sell it as Amazon warehouse on your listing. Now, you're no longer in the buy box. He said, oh, well, that's one or two pieces. I said, granted, it's not many quantities, but still it affects 100%. Right. So the second scenario is you have a program called Amazon Business. Amazon encourages people, companies, to create an Amazon business account. Mm -hmm. And out of their own pocket, they offer discounts. Right. So, and the world is full of smart people. They figure out which items are popular mm -hmm. and they create an Amazon business account and then they yeah. are buying volume, your product, from you. And then they come back and and say, on, your on your listing. Exactly. He says, but they can't make money. I said, why not? You are offering a B2B pricing. He says, yeah, but my B2B pricing, is it does that. in that case, if your B2B pricing is not attractive enough, then why are you offering B2B? It has right. to be attractive enough. So that's another. So the point is, you have to monitor your buy box retention. So let's say that you're monitoring your buy box retention and you see Amazon appearing. So what you are telling me is by removing every return that comes in frequently, you basically deny Amazon the right to sell it. So anything damaged, anything returned, that is lying unfulfillable with Amazon. I like to remove it. Another thing that I discovered was a lot of our products were being sold on eBay, but not by us. And that's when I figured that this is all happening from all of our unfulfillable inventory that Amazon is disposing of. And another reason why I started bringing it back, because the cost of bringing, to bring it back is not that much. No. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very smart. Uh, I mean, you're doing all the, you, you figured out all these little loopholes that can work against you. And then, of course, when you add them all together, it, it, it adds up. To a in, at the end of the day, Amazon leaves very little in the seller's pockets. So you have to be smart, right? The yeah, more exactly. ways you can find to, you know, bring money back into your pocket. So it's all about that. So the, uh, okay, so we covered the roles that two roles that, uh, we haven't mentioned, and I have a feeling you are the one who does that. Uh, one is obviously all the analytics mm -hmm. of Amazon. It doesn't matter which area. You know, we talked about conversion rate. We talked yeah. about buy box retention. Uh, so 
do you have somebody for that or do you do that yourself? No, I like to do analytics and advertising on my own because that's something that I do for my own business and also for my clients. Your PPC and, also? Your PPC. Yes, PPC also. So I like to keep a close eye on, on things and I've been doing it for so many years with my business, which is why I was, you know, proficient in it to be able to, uh, you know, help other clients with with that. Okay. And uh, so the other set of numbers are the financials. So mm -hmm. uh, posting you that settlement report to your accounting system, talk to us about that, how you manage that. So it's all connected. You know, the, the software that I use takes in the data from Amazon. And there are some things that you have to enter in manually and everything. At the end of the day, all of this data goes to my accountant. And then, you know, they take care of it. I forgot to mention the accountant in the different roles. But yes, there is, you know, that role involved. Uh, but with Amazon, there's there's so much, you know, with the inventory you're buying, with the, uh, with the everyday costs that you have outside of Amazon for the business, you know, that goes into the account system, accounting system manually or, you know, everything is attached through the, you know, through the software, to the credit card, to, to the bank account and all of that. So you just have to make sure that, you know, everything is being correctly. Nothing is, um, you know, doubly recorded for, you know, whatever reason. So things like that. So which uh, software do you use for the integration of the settlement report into your accounting? I use QuickBooks. But between QuickBooks and Amazon settlement report, how do you how do you get that uh, connection? So I have to work out the report, uh, you know, make some changes to that and you know work on it for it to become uh, compatible with the QuickBooks system. Okay, so uh, it's QuickBooks Online you're using, right? Yes, yes. I'm going to share a tip with you. Sure. You may already know, but I don't know. But based on what you told me, you're not using it. So as you know, when settlement report comes out, it has so many line items in it. Right. If you analyze it. So generally what people do is they download the report. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds okay. of lines. And then they basically use pivot tables to consolidate mm -hmm. and turn it into line items for your uh, accounting right. chart of accounts. You know, you match it and then you post it manually. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. There is a service called A2X Accounting. Mm -hmm. A for Apple, number 2X Accounting.com. Okay. A2X Accounting sits between your QuickBooks Online and Amazon. Mm -hmm. First time you set it up, it will fetch the first settlement report and it will tell you these are the line items that I picked up from your report. Map them to your chart of accounts. Mm -hmm. After that, every single settlement report that comes in, one click to review. Everything is consolidated. What happens is, let's say your sales, let's say you sold one, skew by skew, one skew. What they do is they total up the number of pieces and then sum up the total order value and they calculate the unit price, average unit price. Mm -hmm. So one click to review, one click to post directly to QuickBooks. That's perfect. So implemented yeah. right away. 
Absolutely. So the only the only uh, question mark is inventory because now how you manage your inventory that's a whole different discussion I don't want to get into but basically you need to know at any point in time what is the total value of your inventory you carrying at Amazon at home mm-hmm. so that is your total asset value right so you know as i said there are two magic bullets to performance on amazon one is click through rate the other is conversion rate but for the financial success of the operation what everyone must know is your liquidity that means how much total net 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 profit you generated per month mm-hmm. we call that liquidity your liquidity versus inventory value you carry if that is very small number like for example your net liquidity is $100,000 a month mm-hmm. and your inventory value at any point in time is half a million dollars that's 20% that means it's going to take you 5 months just to finance your inventory right so if you don't know this number and your sales are growing you're going to keep buying more and more inventory and suddenly you know people say you know i don't understand i know we make money on every sale i know that sales are growing but we never have any money <laughs> they don't know their liquidity versus inventory ratio That's right. so key, but in order to do that, you have to know your inventory value at all Absolutely. times. Absolutely, so it's something that's always complicated. Anyway, uh, I mean, you, uh, you know, I have nothing but respect for you. The way you are on top of everything, it's so refreshing because a lot of business owners don't actually know these parts. Right. So tell me, uh, last question uh, before we move on to you is uh, if you could change one. thing in amazon's policies for third party sellers what what would that be i mean one if they can stop increasing costs for you know for their so that that would be big if it's you know increasing so fast so often and also please stop copying our products <laughs> yeah i mean that's unfortunately said because they have all the data right Right, right. I I recently read an article where it said that they're actually trying to phase out some of their brands that they have created over the years. They they are not seeing profitability and they want to start phasing those out. But my question is when you created these brands, you affected a small business by, you know, you know copying the idea or you know whatever trying to you know take away their amazon's choice spot or their best seller spot and you know so it's gone now gone yeah yeah so tell us about yourself where where do you live and um, you know give, give us a little bit of information about you and what what your passions are absolutely so i'm in charlotte north carolina i live with my husband and my five year old and so besides work and besides my clients i just like to be with him so <laughs> that's nice so tell me uh, tell me about how you got to be the you know 
what you got to be. So uh, where does this come from? So I in a business family, my, you know, father, well, I always saw my father, you know, doing business and all that. So it was a desire since I was a child to be an entrepreneur. But, uh, you know, and I grew up in India. And then I came to the US for education and everything. At that point, I didn't know once I graduated from my MBA, I didn't know what I was going to do next. But I knew somewhere in the back of my mind that entrepreneur is what I want to be. I want to have my own business, you know, live life on my own terms, basically. And then, you know, I made it possible. I started with a small batch of inventory and it sold like hotcakes. And from an order of 100 purses, 2,000 purses. And uh, that's how it began about almost 12 years ago. So you said that your your family had a small business, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, back, back in India, yes. So do you have any brothers, sisters? I do. I do. My sister's uh, in, in the U.S. as well. She's a dentist in New York. And I have a brother who runs the family business with my father. So your, your brother is in business, yes. but your sister is not? Um, I mean, she's, she's a dentist. She's a business owner. She runs two practices. Okay. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's because yeah. uh, it, she yeah. is a payroll that makes her a business owner. So, uh, but she's not an entrepreneur, though. You know, no, there's a no, difference between. Yes, yes, she's yeah, exactly. So, how about your brother? Your brother is an entrepreneur or a business owner? A business owner. So you are the only entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. So what made you the entrepreneur? Ah. Uh. You know, just starting out on, uh, you know, on my own, coming up with, with that idea. And it took me two years, actually, when I finally launched my business and everything. It took a lot of trial and error. For two years, I tried other businesses. Uh, hold on, hold on. It, of course, it's hard. But why, why do you go that route where you feel you have to create something? Mm, I mean, because I didn't want to, you know, go the traditional route. I didn't want. So my choice right after I graduated from my MBA was to find a job. You know, that was the next step, which is normal for, you know, everyone. And I tried for it. I even, you know, got placed, but my, my heart was not set on it. My heart was still so set. I understand. So, but the thing is, you, you know, everybody knows J.P. Morgan, right? J.P. Mm -hmm. Morgan came from a wealthy family. His father was a banker. So right. they would acquire businesses. They would make these deals. But J.P. Morgan always wanted to create a business. Mm -hmm. He had it inside of him. Right. So there is a difference between, uh, you know, getting a job, of course. It's right. a different uh, career path. Uh, but you could decide to be a business owner like your brother did and your, mm -hmm. your sister did. But you did not choose that. You decided to create something of your own. Right. What I want to know is where that came from. Where did because you get that? That, that, you know, that feeling of ownership where you have been the creator of it is different. And why do you like that feeling? And like I said, it, it, nothing, you know, sat in my heart the way this did. You know, the idea of starting. So your father's own. business, did he create that himself? Or yes, he did. 
So maybe looking at your father that mm. you wanted to be. So did you did you have a good relationship with your father? Absolutely, absolutely. And so, he's very encouraging of you know my um, very encouraging and very proud of of his children, and uh, always encouraging us to do better and bigger. So what I'm hearing is your the strength of your relationship that that made your father your role model. So mm -hmm. then you wanted to be like him. You trying to kind of like match up to and 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 that's why you created. You, you chose the path to create your own business rather than run. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I ask this because a lot of, you know, it, to entrepreneurs, a lot of things come naturally. We know mm -hmm. who we are. We know this right. is what we want. But we don't stop to, to, to ask, why am I thinking this? Right. It comes naturally. We right. also expect others to have the same things because we don't know any other way. So this is like... <laughs> So that's why I try and ask, you know, where because a lot of people listening to you, they are going to identify with some of the things that you are saying. Saying, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I always always felt that way, so I cannot be doing this. So if they're doing something else, then right. this may inspire them. So, right. Some people find their calling later in life, you know, when they start their career path they don't realize, you know, that they want to do something right away. They realize it over the years. And with, with me, it was, you know, different that way. I just knew it from the beginning that this is what I want. Yeah, this is great. And I mean, I call myself fortunate because being able to have a desire for something and also being able to fulfill that is, you know, it's, it's hard to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, they say uh, entrepreneurship is 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. So don't discount <laughs> yourself. You know, you may, just luck doesn't cut it. You have to put in the hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So this is great. So tell us how can people reach you? We are going to put your contact information together with the, the episode on our website and with every episode. But uh, give us your contact. Absolutely. So I can be reached by email. I'm very prompt and, uh, you know, uh, with responding. So my first name, Ionija at gmail.com. Always very easy to remember once you, you know, know the spelling of my name. But uh, um, that's the best way to contact me for quickest response time. And I am very happy to, you know, help a new business uh, to even talk on that, to have a general chit chat. You know, you want to start a business, you want to get some, uh, you know, you're already in there, you want, you're in a fix, you need a suggestion, you know, reach out. Yeah, great. Thank you, Anisha. This was great. Uh, I'm sure you inspired a lot of people, including me. So uh, this was a great episode. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me here. And this brings us to the end of another episode and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate and review our show and be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.